If you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to me, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 1 in the Old Testament. Samuel was one of the great priest, judges, leaders of Israel, and it was his mom, Hannah, who made such a powerful difference. Now, I know on Mother's Day many times you hate seeing the comparisons of these super women in the Bible who did all these great things and conquered nations and thrashed armies and did all these things, and your mom's coming away saying, I, I'm not that person. I can't do all of that. Well, the thing that's an encouragement about Hannah is that she was just a regular mom facing some incredibly difficult circumstances. And she became an example to women in every generation and to men as well who want their lives to be used for a difference. Samuel, when he wrote about his early days that he learned from his mom and his other family members, recorded the beginning of the story of his mom like this in 1 Samuel 1, verse 1. There was a certain man from Ramathame, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, and son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. Try saying that five times fast. Anyway, he had two wives. One was called Hannah, the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Shiloh was the place of worship in Israel in the north country where the tabernacle was before they built the temple in Jerusalem. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Guys still often don't get a mother's heart. This guy was not quite dialed in yet. Anyway, verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all, of his, all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head. In other words, his head will be shaved as part of a Nazarite vow which was made by those who wanted to commit their whole life to serving God. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Just that portion for now. Let's pray together. Father, we're here on this Mother's Day, genuinely grateful for the difference these moms make in all of our lives. Most of the moms I know do not feel successful, and most do not feel significant. We're not living in a world that affirms the values they demonstrate. And then we come across a lady like Hannah, who was no superhero, but she was a woman you used to make a difference. And she is an encouragement 
to women in every generation. May the encouragement be ours today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Names have meanings. Many times today when we name a kid, uh, I'm not sure why we choose the names we do. My mom named me Lawrence Herbert. I must have been a really rough delivery. That's all I can figure out. (laughs) Who names their kid? Oh, there's a little Lawrence Herbert right there. Anyway, um, I asked my mom once when I was younger, Mom, if I was a girl, what were you going to name me? Because I'm thinking it can't be any worse than what you did. She said, I would have named you Hannah. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because Hannah is such a beautiful name. In fact, in Hebrew, it means grace or gracious. In fact, the names Anne and Anna mean the same thing, and they're taken from the name Hannah. In the Bible, Hannah is the name of one of the most gracious and godly women to ever live. A woman who was used by God to make a difference, not only in her family, but in a nation, and even impacting our own salvation. You see, Hannah is an encouragement to women in every generation who feel like they are not successful or not significant. Hannah was not a superwoman. She didn't preach any sermons. She didn't lead any movements. She was not a businesswoman. She was not a professional. She was not a CEO. You wouldn't have seen her face on the cover of any fashion magazines. In fact, her appearance is never mentioned, unlike the appearance of a number of other significant women in the Bible who are mentioned. That was not the key to her greatness. Hannah was a homemaker. She was a devoted wife. She was a woman with a mother's heart whom God used to make a powerful difference. Hannah did it despite terribly difficult circumstances. Can you imagine being the first wife in a dual marriage where a man is married to two women? Hannah herself could have no children, but her rival, Penina, could. And Penina made Hannah's life miserable by constantly reminding her of her empty womb. Hannah also lived in a day during the time of Israel's judges, a time when there was corruption everywhere, religious duplicity, lies, drunkenness, and revelry were the norm, even in the priesthood. And yet, in the midst of all of this, Hannah stands out as a woman whose life, prayers, and example made a difference in her family, to the nation, and to the kingdom of God. And she is a valuable reminder that in a world where the role of a mom and women is often devalued, and where circumstances can be overwhelming, God is still using such women, such moms, to make a difference. We're reminded that when God wanted to impact a family and a nation, he chose a woman like Hannah to make that difference. What did God see in Hannah that made the difference for him? Quite simply, he saw a genuine faith, and he saw a godly character. Hannah's life made a difference because she had a life of genuine faith. Samuel wrote in verse 3, Year after year, this man, Elkanah, his, his dad, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. You see what's going on here? 
He loves Hannah, his first wife, but he marries this other one so he can have some kids, and there is a rivalry going on. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. I was reading a piece that appeared in Parade Magazine a few years ago about Denzel Washington, the actor. At the height of his career, he's being interviewed on The Oprah Winfrey Show. And he was talking about a recent movie he had just made. And in the process of that interview, he also talked about the fact of how his mom had had a stabilizing influence in his life. And he went on during that interview to share this story of a time he walked in at the height of his career and what his mother did for him. He said, I walked in the house one day at the height of my career feeling full of myself, a movie star. And I said to my mother, did you ever think this was all going to happen? And she was like, please. First of all, go wash the windows for me, will you? You have no idea how many people have been praying for you when you were being such a knucklehead. You know, when I read that story, I thought, here's a mom behind the scenes supplying stability and faithfulness as a mom who is praying for her son and calling others to pray for her son. And he has no idea the impact those prayers are making. Ladies, you have no idea many times the difference a faithful praying mom can make. A woman who prays because she believes that God is listening. That was the difference in Hannah's life. It has never been easy to be a mom. As I look back on my mom's life and raising three boys like me, I have a deeper appreciation every day for the sacrifices she made. It's the same way with my wife, Carla. I look back on all the things she invested and now invests in our grandkids. And now I see my own girls living this out with their children. It has never been easy to be a mom. In fact, there are days when you just don't have enough hands to do everything that needs to be done. In fact, that's why a few years ago I was reading an article by Debbie Farmer in the newspaper. This is the quote she said, if evolution is true, how come moms still only have two hands? (laughs) In Hannah's day, she faced all the challenges of motherhood. First of all, she experienced the heartbreak of infertility. And if you're here today suffering through that, you know exactly what Hannah felt. The Lord had closed Hannah's womb. There was a purpose in her infertility, just as there is a purpose in yours. And I don't mean to make light of this, 
I know a number of you who are praying and asking God and hoping for that opportunity, as yet it hasn't come. I want you to know God is in this. He has a purpose in it. I don't understand it all. I only know he's good. And he hears you when you pray. Besides that struggle with infertility, her husband, feeling the pressure of a culture to have heirs, takes on a second wife to help facilitate having children. And every time Penina has a baby, she's rubbing salt in the womb, or excuse me, in the wound that Hannah is carrying. And unless you think Hannah had some super strength, look how these things affected her. 1 Samuel 1, verse 6, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. And when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Hannah was crushed by this. She was broken. She was tired. She was depressed. She wept bitterly, literally out of a bitter, burdened heart. Hannah carried the burden that only a woman in her shoes could ever fully understand. But the difference was how she chose to handle it. She handled it with a genuine faith. That's why when Samuel later wrote about his mom, he wrote in 1 Samuel 1, verse 10, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, look how she addresses God, Lord Almighty, the all-powerful one, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, you know, so many times, especially in my younger life as a Christian, and in the lives of many people I have the privilege to know, we walk through them through some pretty difficult circumstances. And I got to tell you, many times in the, in the heat of those circumstances, people are not drawing closer to God, they're pulling away from Him. They're not praying more to God in those times, they're giving up. Because you see, they've cried out to God like Hannah did year after year after year, and they're in depression, and they're hurt, and they're down, and they're thinking God's betrayed them. They're thinking God's abandoned them. And the time they need God most, they make the mistake of pulling away because their, their faith is fractured. They can even be found blaming God. But Hannah didn't do that. In fact, in the midst of her pain, she pressed closer to God. She addressed him as the Lord Almighty. And she entrusted herself to him and her whole situation. And she never stopped praying. People, the real measure of a genuine faith is not that we keep praying because we get answers, but we keep praying when we don't see any answers. That we believe that God is really there and if we never saw another answer, we'd still keep praying because God asked us to and we believe him. And we know that God is working even when we cannot see and especially when we cannot see. 
Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Hannah had a genuine faith. And it was demonstrated in the way she prayed. You see, she prayed for a purpose beyond herself. She was asking not just for a child, but a son who would serve God as she served God. Do you remember in verse 11? And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Lord, I'm not just asking for a son for me. I'm asking for a son for you. I have served you, and now I want a son who will do the same. And you grant me this gift, and I will gift him to you. 1 Samuel 1.20, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Samuel, Samuel means God hears or God has heard. And Samuel would go on to be a great judge, a great priest, and a great servant of God. And at the pinnacle of Samuel's career, God called on Samuel to be a man of genuine faith who would listen to him and who in the right moment would be the man God would choose to anoint the youngest son of Jesse named David, who would be the head of a line of kings leading to Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Samuel was the man God chose for that, and Hannah was his mom, a mom of genuine faith. Ladies, I know many times you feel unsuccessful and insignificant as a mom or a grandma. You wonder if your life is making a difference. Sometimes circumstances are overwhelming. You get tired and you despair, even depressed. But in those moments, if you will press closer to God in genuine faith, God will meet you there. And he will reassure you through his word and the power of his Holy Spirit that all of those things you're investing in the next generation are going to bear fruit that you may not see, but will bring glory to his name power of a genuine faith. And not only a genuine faith, but Hannah's life made a difference because she had a godly character. In verse 12, Samuel said, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. 
Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. In verse 24, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he'll be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Parenting has been called the character profession because the values and character of our children are shaped by what they hear and see in their parents. Values are caught, not just taught. And kids will very often rely more and adopt the values and character of what they see more than what they hear. I read of a study that was done a few years ago at Dartmouth College where researchers had 120 kids between the ages of two and six years old, and they took them to this mock grocery store they had put together to see how they would respond, what values they would demonstrate when they were given the task. We want you to go in the store, and we want you to pick out whatever you think you need for an adult party. These are two- to six-year-olds. 28% of the children picked cigarettes. One of the four-year-olds in this study said, a man, my man, needs cigarettes. Interesting. 61% of the children selected alcohol in their cart, saying you cannot have an adult party without alcohol. The researchers went on to say, that as the the kids picked these items, they were picking what they believed were the values demonstrated by their parents. Craig Anderson, a researcher from Iowa State University, said kids are basically little learning machines. Whatever the content is in front of them, they're going to pick it up. You see, this is why the Just Say No programs don't work. They have them in the schools. They have them on television. They have them in ads. They have them everywhere. Just teach your kids, just say no. But see, those programs don't work. The kids are smart enough to figure out, my parents are saying just say no to this, but my parents do these things. So what they're telling me is just say no, but it's okay to do. And those are the values they adopt. Kids learn values not by just what they hear, but mostly by what they see, especially in their parents. And that's why if we want children to live godly lives, then they need to see what that looks like in their parents. Now, a godly life is not a perfect life. I am far from a perfect man, and you are far from perfect parents. Kids don't expect perfection. But what they want to see in us, is God real to you, And does he shape the decisions of your life and your priorities? And how do you live this thing out with God? That's what they need to see. 
That's what Hannah lived out for Samuel. When you look at her example, it's amazing. First of all, she lived and demonstrated submission to her husband's leadership. He was a Levite, a Kohathite of the priestly line. And she supported that ministry, went with him every time he went up to the tabernacle. She worshiped alongside him and went through this every year, despite the fact she knew she was going to get harassed and intimidated by Penina every time. But she was there anyway, loyal and faithful to her husband, following his leadership, and Samuel saw that. Year after year after year, he saw that in his young life. She was consistent in her prayer life. In fact, if you want to know how Hannah prayed, I don't have time to get into it today, but 1 Samuel chapter 2 is one of Hannah's prayers, a model prayer for any man or woman who wants to live a godly life. Samuel grew up hearing those prayers. Remember, he was with his mom until he was weaned. And in the Hebrew culture, he would have been about four or five years old. So during those first few years of his life, he's living under prayers like she prayed in chapter 2. And he saw the result of her prayers. She was also a woman who kept her word to God and to man. You remember in verse 11? Samuel wrote about his mom, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. I wonder how many times Samuel asked, Mom, tell me that story again about how you prayed. You see, Samuel was given over to temple service when he was four or five years old, but he knew why he was there. Because you see, he had a mom who kept her word. She had said to God, you, God, give me a son, and I will give him to you. That's why in verse 24, it says, after he was weaned, she took him up to the temple and dedicated him there. And she left him there to be raised in the temple to learn the service of the Lord. And even as a little boy, Samuel knew why he was there, because he was reminded, my mom prayed for this. You see, it's one of the most telling marks of godly character is a person who keeps their word. Being known as a person who says what they mean and means what they say. God keeps his word to us. God expects us to keep our word to him and to others. That's why when Jesus was speaking to the disciples and the crowds in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, he said in verse 33, and again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, don't swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. What did Jesus teach? If you make a vow to God or man, you keep it. God keeps his word, you keep yours. But it's even better to not have to vow at all. If you have to constantly swear by something to get people to believe you, there's a problem. So he said, live your life in such a way that your yes is yes and your no is no, and when you say it, you mean it. That's all you need. Your word they can take to the bank. 
Children rebel when they hear parents say one thing and do another. Hannah told God and Eli what she would do, and she did it. She was a woman of her word, and Samuel saw that. And she was also a woman who kept her convictions. It was not easy to live for God in the days of the judges. Even the priesthood was corrupt. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were sleeping with the women that were coming up to worship, taking advantage of those girls who came up to worship and slipping off the side. And That's what was going on at the, at the tabernacle. Revelry and drunkenness was common at these festivals. That's why when Eli saw Hannah lying on the steps and her mouth is moving and no words are coming out, he took her for just another drunk on the steps. Hannah said, I'm not that woman. Don't take me for a wicked woman. I'm praying. Years later in verse 24, when she brings the boy up to be dedicated, she says to Eli, pardon me, pardon me, sir, pardon me, Lord, but I want you to know I'm the very woman who several years ago you saw on the steps and thought I was drunk. I was praying to God. I asked him, and he answered. And I said I'd bring him to you, and here he is. Here is the boy I prayed for, given over to a life of service to God. And it says in verse 28, and he worshiped the Lord there. Who's the he? Well, in the context, it could be Samuel worshiped the Lord there, but it's doubtful he did in that moment. She's talking to Eli. Many commentators think the he refers to Eli. Here's the priest whose own sons are living in sin, surrounded by people who are coming drunk to the tabernacle. In a world where religion is corrupt and nobody keeps their word, here comes this woman four years later with the sacrifice of giving up her son because she said, I told God and you I would do it, and here he is. And Eli was so overwhelmed by her commitment, he falls down to worship God in her presence. That's the power of a mom who lives with godly character and conviction. Year after year, Hannah continued to go up to Shiloh to spend time with Samuel, to worship the Lord. And Samuel grew into one of Israel's greatest leaders. Ladies, sometimes I hear moms say, I'm just a mom. You may be a business owner, you may be an attorney, you may be a doctor, you may be a host of things, but you're a mom. And if you're also working, you've got a double load to carry. And by the way, homemaking's no picnic either. But I got to tell you, when I hear ladies say, I'm just a mom, I'm thinking, listen to what you're saying. Society has done that to you. They've made you believe I'm just a mom, like that's some, something negative. I'm just a homemaker. Ladies, I want you to know the time you invest with your kids, your godly example is shaping a next generation. And guys, ours is too. The world and the church is being impacted by the difference that you make. Many of you know, a few years ago, we started or prayed about the possibility of launching a new ministry up in El Dorado County 
called Bethesda Village. We have a 25-ish acre ranch up there that we've been trying to develop for the last few years. Recently, to help launch that program, we entered into a ministry with Stephen Arterburn and the ministry New Life. Um, Stephen Arterburn has a radio program. He's all over the country. He's written tons of books. He's written the Recovery Bible, Every Man's Battle, Every Woman's Battle, a host of things that are used in recovery and Bible study. The more I get to know Stephen, the more I appreciate him as a man. In one of his books called Toxic Faith, he was writing about his grandmother and the effect that she had on his faith, a faith that's now being used by God to impact a lot of people. He said, my grandmother died last year. If there was ever a person of strong faith and conviction, it was Nanny. She raised her three children, including my mother, alone after the suicide of my grandfather. She never gave up. She never stopped believing. She never lost faith. For her, death was just a step over into a better place. She didn't fear it. Her faith kept her at peace, motivated her to care, and provided hope. She was always active doing her part while she trusted God to do his. God's love seeped through every pore of that marvelous woman who cheered up just about everyone she was with. I think much of my own faith came from watching her and hearing her talk about a loving God who loves his children. At her funeral, the minister told one of the frustrations my grandmother had to endure. She was audited by the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS went to a lot of trouble to make sure that someone who made every bit of $8,000 a year paid their fair share of income taxes. And while others were hiding millions of dollars from the federal government, special agents were at work on the case of Pearl Russell. They were working to ensure the country would not be shorted a few hundred dollars by a sweet old lady in Athens, Texas. The issue in the case between the United States of America versus Pearl Russell was her large deduction for charitable contributions. You see, the IRS agents could not believe that any person who made so little could give 35 to 40 percent of their income away to church and God's service. They were finally satisfied when she dug out of the attic all the canceled checks. They didn't understand it, but now they were convinced she had given every penny she said she did. She not only gave away almost half her income, she paid off her car loans early, paid off her mortgage, and she still had enough money left over to bake special pies for people who were hurting. My grandmother was an amazing woman of faith, and it seemed that no matter how much she gave away, she was still provided with enough to live comfortably. What little she could do for God, she did. She did it because of a real faith in God, not a faith motivated by the idea that she'd, be get, she'd get rich, she knew she'd never have a lot of money. Neither did she give because she was buying her way to heaven. She had taken care of her place in eternity years ago. She gave because she wanted to give. She wanted to give back to God, a portion of all he had given to her. Her motives were pure, and she set an example for everyone who had the privilege to even be near her or around her. Pearl Russell was a simple woman. 
living in some pretty rough circumstances. Who made a difference in the lives of her children and her grandchildren. And ultimately now the kingdom of God because her grandson is spreading the good news of Jesus to tens of thousands of people who listen to him on the radio and read his books. People, that is a legacy of a woman who makes a difference. A woman of genuine faith and a woman of godly character. Today, ladies, maybe you are a mom, maybe you're a grandma, maybe you've adopted, maybe you're fostering. Maybe you're a woman who's always wanted children but could never have them. And so you're fulfilling that calling of a mother's heart by teaching in Sunday school or working with mops or praying for children. I want you to know that whoever you are, God sees everything you do. And I want you to be encouraged that God is still using women of genuine faith and godly character to make a difference that impacts eternity. Do you remember what Solomon wrote at the end of Proverbs 31, that Proverbs we've learned to hate because it's a woman in there that nobody can identify with? Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. God, thank you that true greatness is not measured by the things the world often tells us we need. But women and men who make a difference are the ones who are simple enough to really believe God with a genuine faith and who seek with your help not to live a perfect life, but a godly one. Father, would you continue to reveal yourself in people like this, people like Hannah, people you use to make a difference. And we'll praise you in your precious name. Amen.